Hail and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm Peter. I am a high priest from South Wales and a coven leader. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader just outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. Hi, I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the Boston area of Massachusetts. I'm Josie, a priestess and coven leader from Victoria, Australia. So this is a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens around the globe. So this is episode one. If this is your first episode, welcome. You might want to take a moment to pause this and go back and listen to our very first intro episode, episode zero, or you can check it out after you enjoy this one. We're going to be talking about some basic definitions before we dive into our full-length episodes. Some of these will be related to Alexandrian Wicca, some of them will be related to Wicca more broadly, but we just wanted to give everyone an idea of where we're coming from. Obviously, lots of other people will have some other ideas about these definitions, and we're always happy to hear from you. If you have something to add or anything that you'd like to contribute, please get in touch. Um, We'll put our contact details into the show notes. Uh, So we have a few different definitions we want to look at. Some of them are controversial and I think we'll have quite a bit to say. Some of them I think will be a bit more straightforward. We might start with probably possibly the most difficult one first. Um, I'd like to talk about the meaning of the word witch. Peter. So I guess like... (sighs) For me, it's it's always the textbook definition of witch. Like, a witch is somebody who practices witchcraft. So you kind of go down that rabbit hole of, well, what is what is witchcraft kind of thing? For me, like witchcraft um, is is a is is a collection of practices um, that are not necessarily linked to any specific religion. I think it just so happens um, that witchcraft and kind of like the religious practice of witchcraft goes hand in hand to to make kind of what we do as as Alexandrian witches so yeah I'm I'm kind of boring just like the textbook definition of witch somebody who practices witchcraft (laughs) well Peter I think you you bring up a good point in that it's it's a craft it's not just a set defined list of religious tenets or theology it's it's an art it's being able to shape and bend your practice. And that's where it really gets tricky is when you start trying to define what the practice is. Right. But yeah. It's, it's, it's much, it's more difficult to define it beyond that. And that's why in the community, you will get a lot of argument, in my opinion, over what it means. And you get the diehards are like, no, it's a religion. And other people are like, no, it's a spirituality and so on and so forth. When really it's, it's a practice. Yeah, I agree with that. And James, you said like shape and bend. And I think when I think about witchcraft, I think it's a very active practice. Um, It can be internal or external, but just because there isn't something visible happening, right? It can be bells and smells and candles and um, rocks and, and massive undertakings, but it can also be internal work, but it's still action. Like witchcraft is when you are manipulating or working with energies, the universe, pick your poison in terms of terminology, but 
it's um, doing the work, taking the action to change something in the world around you. And I think witchcraft, because of our ability or belief that we can have an impact on our internal or external universe, um, tends to be more comfortable with the idea of change or more open to change or should be more open to change. And I think that's where the idea of like the witches in the liminal spaces comes in as well. It can be a really tricky one, especially if you're new. It's, it's quite a nebulous term. And if you go for just dictionary definitions, you'll find even now they're still quite gendered as well. Often it's to do with a woman, right. often who is marginalised. Um, I'd certainly argue that witchcraft has always been to some degree attractive to the marginalised. It's something that a lot of people turn to when there's no other hope, certainly, but it's certain, that's not all of witchcraft and not all people who practice witchcraft are marginalised. And that's a good point, I think, Josie, is it, it exists in the fringes, the, the liminal spaces of society. It's, it's not the mainstream and it shouldn't be the mainstream. If it's going to be the mm-hmm. wild, frenzy, passionate practice that we hold dear, it, it needs those things. And it can't do that if it's mainstream and the norm. Transformation is deeply, both deeply personal and um, because we work with covens, um, deeply intimate right and so the the transformative nature of witchcraft both from the perspective of a marginalized population who wants to harness witchcraft to take back some something that they feel has been taken away from them or for the individual who really needs to feel like they're empowering some aspect of themselves or their lives um that that can't be mainstream because it requires i think either a level of introspection or a level of sharing that can't really be global i think yeah but like witchcraft gives you that power back, you know, and and not everybody is comfortable with that. So I think like witches and witchcraft is always going to be on on like the fringe of society. And just kind of just to pick up on what Josie said, just to kind of like hit it hit it home, you know, men can be witches, women can be witches, anybody who wants to practice witchcraft can, you know, can be witches. I think even today, um, when we think about a witch if somebody says if we weren't witches and somebody said the word witch to us we think of you know kind of that that on the fringe unhinged kind of woman on the edge of society which which just isn't true and even historically that's just not true um you know i, I think it was it was quite simple for um you know for, for for people to look at women who necessarily didn't fit into that society and think oh yeah yeah she's a witch let's go after her but yeah, men and women can both be witches and anybody can be a witch. Yeah, I would like to just re-emphasize what Peter said about anybody can be witches because I think anybody who wants to call themselves a witch, anybody who feels like they're a witch, I have no, personally, I have no particular problem. I believe like that's a declaration one can make unto themselves in terms of their practice or their philosophy. And right, I don't think that we get to tell people they're not or they don't belong in witchcraft as a whole. No, and just kind of building onto that, you said like anyone who calls themselves a witch can be a witch. It, it, it's a word that's changed over time. Um, the people that we think of as witches a hundred years ago would have been horrified to, to be labelled as witches as well. So we have to be really mindful of that. Um, a century ago, witch meant something very different. It meant somebody associated with, you know, darkness and evil and the devil, somebody not Christian, all of these things. It was a slur. 
Um, so we've got to be really careful about like retroactively applying that label sometimes. And it's also a very European term as well. Um, not all folk magic is witchcraft. And if you practice folk magic, you don't have to label yourself a witch, or you can if you want, I guess. I think that's an excellent point. Mm. Far too often, contemporary paganism likes to try to hold that word close and apply it to other cultures as if that's their identity. You know, people who practice some form of sorcery or magic who live in Central America may not identify or call themselves witches. And if we try to apply our definition to them, we're doing them a disservice and ourselves a disservice. It's um, it's certainly very popular at the moment, obviously. Um, has anyone else noticed how many books are coming out with The Witches something in it just in the last 10 years as well? So so putting that label onto something, I think people are starting to expect a very a more specific thing each time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it was like, you know, at, at the end of the day, people write books um, to, to not just to get their ideas and opinions out there, but hopefully to make a bit of bob, make some money as well. And I think adding the word witch or witches to the title immediately grabs your attention and you just you kind of want to go and read that. You do. Yeah. So the next terms I want to look at um, are a bit of a mouthful. Um orthopraxy and orthodoxy. These are words that get chucked around a little bit in pagan spaces. Um, I'd really like to hear from James on this one. So orthopraxy and orthodoxy are central to our approach to theological matters and how we practice witchcraft. Um, I like to think of them as a spectrum. Um, The word ortho is right, as in correct. And then in this instance, doxy is belief and uh, praxis or praxy is, is practice. In the majority of the religions that the Western paradigm focuses on or has historically for the last 2,000 years, it's orthodoxy. Do you believe the correct things and the way the, the nature of those things in existence? That's not true of all religions, especially when you start looking at your Eastern religions, where it's less about what you believe and more about what you do. When you start looking at Buddhism, Buddhism's non-theistic by nature, and it's really about do they they practice Buddhism? Well, the same can be said for our witchcraft. Our witchcraft is, do you practice the craft? And if you do, well, congratulations, you're a witch. It's, it's really that simple. More specifically, when you start looking at our form of witchcraft, the craft of the Wicca, there are some specific practices and hallmarks that kind of stand out. So orthopraxy versus orthodox, it's really about do you do the things? And a good example I like to explain to people with that is, is prayer. I may be discussing prayer with seekers, but I don't define for them who or what they're praying to. The prayer may be written towards a specific spirit, but I I don't tell them what the nature of that spirit is. Is it an archetype? Is it a story motif? 
Is it an embodied entity? Is it a disembodied entity? So on and so forth. That's for the individual to define. So I think that um, obviously all orthodoxy doesn't necessarily underpin orthopraxy, but to me, it's kind of like orthodoxy is like the, the, the theory, like you learn about it and then the orthopraxy is putting it, putting it into practice. I mean, there are things that we are taught that are, that is very specific to us as Alexandrian witches and initiates. Um, and then you kind of go off and you, and you put that into practice in circle. Um, but yeah, I would agree just, just like James, that it's almost a, a spectrum. And most of the time, it's not necessarily always about um, the author, you know, the orthodoxy, but, but the actual doing, the practice of it, the orthopraxy. I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't really previously thought of is the idea that orthodoxy underpins the prax, the practice. Because there are things I guess you do kind of have to, like you have to agree if you're practicing witchcraft or if you're doing Wicca that we can manipulate energy, whatever energy is like in some way, right? Or that you can affect change. Like you have to believe that you can affect change in order to do the work, which is really interesting because that's not normally what I think of when I think about orthodoxy. Um, on the other hand, I've met people who are like, I do ritual, it works. I don't know why it works, it just does. And that's good enough for me. And I'm like, well, then that's good enough for me too. I don't, I don't really need you to agree with like my beliefs on why it works or for you to know why it works. I think knowing it works is like half the battle. So there's a, a book I read uh, 10 years or so ago called Not All Gods Are One. It's a social science book talking about comparative religion. And in that, I believe it's in the introduction, the author says, practice begets belief. And when I think about the relationship with orthopraxy and orthodoxy, I like to think that. We all have the same practice or thereabouts. And the reason we have a family resemblance and belief, although not necessarily the same belief, is because it's born from that same well pet theory that's fascinating yeah that that, that definitely holds up great thank you um our next def definition um is an acronym btw we, we see that a lot in online spaces um it can stand for sort of two different things and that's two things i kind of want to touch on so the b is usually for british so it's either for british traditional witchcraft or for british traditional wicca so when we're talking about British traditional Wicca, what we're mostly talking about are very specific traditions of Wicca. So this isn't eclectic Wicca. This is Wicca that has come from Britain, uh, from the likes of Gerald Gardner or from Alexander's people like that. It is lineage, which we're going to talk about in a moment, but it, it essentially means that members of this tradition can follow their line back um, back to these people. So this is what really def differentiates it from more eclectic forms of Wicca that, you know, anybody can pick up and kind of label themselves as. This is more of a closed tradition in that it's something that you need to be initiated into by a, a, a member of that tradition. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think with with the availability of so many books written from, you know, 
we're going to be hard pressed these days to not find books that have not been influenced by Wicca that, that came from the UK. You know, there are lots of books that even say that, oh, you know, yes, this is original practice, but kind of when you drill down into it, most of the times there's there's a bit of a flavor. Um, but like, I, I, I think a lot of people might get into the misunderstanding that initiatory Wicca, kind of like what Josie is saying, like closed Wicca, um, is still around, it still exists. You know, yes, you can go to, um, you can get any books from Amazon these days, you know, you can go into any of your local libraries, pick up um, lots and lots of books about Wicca or witchcraft and and then start practicing. But, you know, coven work and, and lineage covens, you know, still do exist. And, and, you know, there is that difference between what you can get from the public side to what you get after you're initiated. So when I think about uh, BTW, British Traditional Wicker, versus BTW, British Traditional Witchcraft, well, they're both from Britain. But mm. when I look at of the Wicca, it's this specific lineage craft that originates in the New Forest region, as opposed to other parts of the British Isles. And that's an important distinction in that when we talk about our craft, it's both. It's both forms of BTW, but not all forms of BTW are both. Just like not all forms of witchcraft are of the Wicca, and that is okay. Every Wiccan is a witch, <laughs> but not every witch is a Wiccan. <laughs> Love that. That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when we talk about the other W, British traditional witchcraft, this is often referring to um, more of the sort of some of the folk magics that have come out of, of Britain and the British Isles, um, some of the more traditional craft as well. So authors like uh, and practitioners like Gemma Gary and, and some of the work that she's doing, um, some of the Troy Books crowd, this is this is British traditional witchcraft as opposed to British traditional Wicca. Um, they've come from, from different places um, and, and they look quite different as well. So that can also come under that BTW umbrella, depending on often who you're talking to. The thing that people fail to remember when they're talking about it or, or, or I believe they fail to remember, is the, the British Isles is a multitude of cultures and peoples and languages. It's not just one little corner. It's not English witchcraft, which is going to look different from Irish witchcraft and Cornish witchcraft and so on and so forth. And Welsh witchcraft. <laughs> Had to get that in there. I, I left that one out just for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, our next set of definitions are to do with traditions specifically. So we're going to drill down a little deeper now. Um, I'd like to hear from maybe from G about words like tradition and line and lineage. We've started throwing those around already. Can we look at those a little closer? So I think the best way to think about these terms is if we think back to like our biology 101 and think about taxonomy, Right. So you may remember learning like kingdom, phylum, class order, like all the way down to species. And this is kind of how I think about these terms. Right. The, the kingdom is is BTW, British traditional Wicca. And then the next level down is the traditions within British traditional Wicca. And so tradition, of course, is something that you do and you pass on through generations and that you shared practices that sort of follow throughout time. 
And within British traditional Wicca, the two main ones are Gardnerian and Alexandrian, um, with Gardnerian being like the OG. And generally speaking, Gardnerians and Alexandrians universally acknowledge that both of those traditions fall under the British traditional Wicca umbrella. There are also other traditions that some people can agree fall under the British traditional Wicca umbrella and some people do not agree. Um, and so there's like, because we cannot agree on anything, there's some controversy here. Um, but generally speaking, going back to that BTW definition, um, traditions that come out of the New Forest area and then evolved into these specific Alexandrian Gardnerian traditions and then some of the some of the others as well, uh, depending on who you talk to. Then within those traditions, there are different lines or families. So sometimes people will say, I am from this line or I am from that line. Um, and so a line is just a branch of that tree. So like off of the branch of the Alexandrian tree, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors in here. I'm sure we can all keep up. Off of the branch of the Alexandrian tree, you have um, various lines from sometimes geographic areas. Sometimes they're named after individuals who made some um, small changes to the practice or who just were so prolific that they had so many covens formed down line of them that we sort of have given them their own line name. The differences between lines can be large or small. It kind of, it kind of depends on who you talk to, but it's just another way of sort of isolating where one comes from. And so we sometimes talk in family terms, right? So I just want to be clear about that, that when people say line and people say family, often they are using them interchangeably. Um, I will talk about like my mother coven, which is the coven that I was initiated into, or my grandparents parent coven, my grandmother coven, which is the coven that my high priestess came out of. Um, so we do talk about each other in family terms. Um, and then I would say like coven is the most specific part of that. So all the way down at the very, at the very bottom of the funnel, we've got coven, which is a small group of witches or Wiccans who practice together. And that is the group into which a person gets their training and gets initiated into Wicca. So again, like at the very top, we have British traditional Wicca, BTW. And then the next level down is the different traditions of British traditional Wicca. And then each tradition sometimes has different lines or different families within there. And within the lines or families, you have multiple covens who are practicing that tradition. I think there's a, a, a small distinction I wanna add to this when we, when we think about uh, tradition versus line versus cousin. Um, I, I know in conversation earlier, it kind of mentioned it being kind of like three legs on an altar, but really when you look at it, the coven is the vehicle through which we experience the practice of the Wicca. It's, it's the most important unit. It's, it's that which you're joining. You become Alexandrian as a byproduct of the fact that you joined a specific coven. And so, personal opinion, the coven is the most important of the three. And although I find talk on uh, specific lines and groupings mildly interesting, it's really all about the coven first. Yeah, absolutely. Your regular practice happens with your coven. So that is your home base, as it were. That is like where... Um, your practice and where 
you know, often the most intimate and close work is happening. Agreed. I I just like to point out for any seekers who are are listening that when you come seeking, you're seeking the coven. It's it's less seeking the tradition. You know, you you come and I'm going to ask you why you want to join us. And when I say us, I'm not saying, why do you want to join the Alexandrian tradition? I may expect someone have bit of knowledge there or have done a little bit of reading and we're going to discuss that but specifically why are you looking at this coven that that's what i think is important um but no i I don't disagree with anything you said i I think a lot of it as well it, it comes down to like availability like if if you are in a place that has lots and lots and lots of different traditions different covens that that practice whatever they practice um you, you know you're gonna there's more scope for you to join whatever you really want um but if you're in a place that doesn't have number one many covens um then you know i think that limits what what you can do um where i live i think there are maybe a handful at the most that practice uh gardenarian witchcraft or alexandrian witchcraft but for me, the most the the most local, the most close was 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 Alexandrian. So kind of I I went for the tradition, um, but also loved the people. So I think for me they kind of marry up. But I think a lot of it comes down to like availability as well. Now this feeds really well into our next definition. Before we can go any further with our episodes, we really need to look at what we mean when we're talking about Alexandrian Wicca or what it means to be an initiate. Peter, this is a good one for you. <laughs> so we talk a lot about um Gardnerian witchcraft, Alexandrian witchcraft. Um, and, and I think right off the bat, what I what I would like people to understand is that there is there is more difference between covens than there are between um traditions between Gardnerian and Alexandrian witchcraft. Um I think I suppose the only real way you're you're ever going to get to understand what what the what the tiny differences are is by becoming an initiate of both um but for us as as alexandrian initiates what that means is that the coven that we're practicing in can trace their their lineage their initiation right the way back to to alex um and obviously then he traces it kind of back to gardner and and and, and so on and so forth um, becoming an Alexandrian means that you go through certain processes that we call initiation. Um, and there are very specific things, um, that are included in initiation. Now we, we've talked already about like controversy. Um, there, there's discussion. There's always going to be discussion about what makes somebody Alexandrian. Is it the fact that you're lineaged in an Alexandrian coven? You know, what if what if something different happens during the initiation? Does that mean you're not Alexandrian? But I think like the the broadest definition is that you are Alexandrian by being initiated into a coven which which traces its lineage back to um Alexander's. Yeah, this is real this is really tricky. I can't I can't disagree with that, nor would I like to. And I think it, because you mentioned controversy, it behooves us at this point to mention um, you know, that we cannot speak for like the entire tradition. Nobody is even remotely going to try to speak for the entire tradition. I can barely speak for myself because sometimes my opinions are so are so mixed or jumbled or still developing, right? So, um, you know, these are these are our particular individual ideas that we're sort of sharing out with each other, just in the interest of 
of understanding that there's, as we said before, many paths to the divine that you can have valid and interesting different ideas within the same, within the same, I mean, within the same coven, honestly, but also, you know, within the same tradition of Alexandrian Wicca, within the same branch of, or within the umbrella of British traditional Wicca. Um, I do think it's worth, you know, noting specifically about initiate, something people often hear is like, if you're an initiate, somebody initiated you, that that's something that comes from people initiate other people, I guess, right? And so like, that's how the tradition gets passed on or how we reproduce ourselves. Right. Wicca isn't passed by, by blood. It's passed through a process, something, something that's done to you, you know? I, I think there's an interesting split in definitions here and that when you look at initiation from a contemporary pagan kind of viewpoint depending on who's talking we mean different things you know sometimes we're talking about it's a new beginning sometimes we're talking about being members in a group um if you have a ceremonial background kind of back uh you talk about being initiated into a specific specific sphere of influence maybe you were talking about those aha moments in life or being introduced to the unseen host and so the list just goes on and on and sometimes we mean more than one of these at a time and so you just really have to pay attention to the context of what the speaker means and in regards to the alexandrian tradition we do all of these not always at the same time but it's important for i think seekers to to realize that when when we are saying alexandrian initiates who have been initiated we're saying you've been made a member of but it was also a begin a new beginning at the time we introduced you to the sphere of the alexandrian tradition hopefully you had some aha moments and well a whole bit about the seen and unseen host i think that kind of brings us back to like you know endless opinions <laughs> yes i love endless opinions <laughs> I think it's also worth mentioning here that um, even though Alexander and Wicca is a tradition, our covens are all autonomous. So they might look slightly different from coven to coven, depending on what happens. There are there are some core things that might make a coven Alexandrian, um, but like the most core thing is that you can trace your lineage back to Alexander's. That seems to be the main one. Um, apart from that, things might change a little bit. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that when you are an initiate of a particular tradition, whether it's Alexandrian, Gardinarian, whatever, that is a title of significance within that tradition. It doesn't sort of flow over into the rest of pagandom. Um, being an initiate doesn't make you sort of better than other people who are not. Say it again, Jason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, you, you mic dropped, so we're just yeah, all yeah. agreeing. Bye. Mm. Um, all right. The last definition that I thought we could talk about before we finish up this mini-sode was just about priesthood and what we're meaning when we're talking about that. I think we've wandered into episode territory at this point. We have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mini mini sode is gone, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we can redo the the introduction and no, it'll be all right. So they know. <laughs> episode one definitions. <laughs> yes. Um. 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start because I'm going to be very simple, which is that I think that within the context of British traditional Wicca, priesthood means being a member of the priesthood means serving the gods. And I personally believe to some extent the tradition. I also think outside of the context of British traditional Wicca, priesthood often means to provide service to the community and to laity. And I think that there are people who feel called to do that, who are Wiccan priests, priestesses, et cetera. But I think that, or who are members of the Wiccan priesthood who, who feel called to do that work, but not everyone within BTW does. And that's okay. Those are sort of two separate branches. Um, but service to gods and service to the, in some part, the tradition. Yeah, the, the work, work to the gods or the work of the gods is, is what we do. And that means we specialize in what that work means and that practice, that craft. But it doesn't always mean it's a ministry, um, which often gets confused. I may sit in council as a friend with other coven mates, but I'm not their minister. I'm not their counselor. I'm I'm a, I'm a priest, but I'm a priest um, in practice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and I think, you know, for me, priesthood as well is, is, is about leadership. It's making sure that you have um, enough information, kind of like the right theory and the right practice in order to, 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 to pass this tradition on to the next generation. To the next generation of, of of witches who want to become initiated within our tradition. So yeah, for me, there's there's that side of leadership as well. Very good, thank you. Well, I think we're going to leave it there for today with our definitions. Um, the uniqueness of these two first episodes was to kind of orientate people before we really delve in and start talking about our experiences in Alexandrian Wicca and in witchcraft spaces. Um, more broadly. So we've spoken about what a witch is. We've spoken about orthopraxy and orthodoxy, British traditional Wicca, what it means to be in a tradition, and more specifically, the Alexandrian tradition. And I hope we've given you a bit of insight there. Um, if you've got anything that you think you'd like to hear about or even anything to add, you can look us up in the show notes. We've got some contact info there. So until we see you again, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again.